Welcome to Interpride, the global voices of Pride podcast powered by Interpride, where the world comes together for the LGBTQIA community. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. In this special episode, we have Richard Brether Bell, who hosts our special Elephant in the Room series. Let's get to the conversation. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Richard Brether Bell, and I am the Vice President of Diversity, Inclusion, and Accessibility for Interpride. I am the co-chair of the Human Rights and Diversity Committee at this organization as well, and the co-chair of ROPE, which is Rainbow Oppression Awareness Program. So I wear a lot of hats in this organization, but my mission and my goal is the same. We want to promote anti-racism, we want to combat racism, and we want to have people that be a little bit more comfortable having these tough conversations. So with Interpod, we are launching a program throughout the year of 2023 called Elephant in the Room. So what is the elephant in the room? Racism. So we want to talk about systemic racism and bias in the hopes that we can make people a little bit more comfortable in having a conversation and maybe we could put a dent in such a vile issue that permeates our society. So I have with me today, Kanita. Kanita, tell us a little about yourself and your organization. All right, well, I'm Kanita Placid. I'm actually the co-founder and executive director of the Eastern Caribbean Alliance for Diversity and Equality, also known as ECAID. We're based in St. Lucia, but we are an umbrella network organization that works across seven countries, um, islands in the Caribbean, um, 26 organizations registered, working on LGBT rights, working on, uh, well, we like to say human rights of LGBT persons. Um, sexual reproductive health and rights, gender-based violence, access to health services, food justice, environmental justice, as well as climate change. So, Kenita, um, tell us about your experience with racism. Well, when we look at uh, the Caribbean, you know, we are basically a, uh, I would say, we are basically Africans. You know, we can look at the slave trade and know exactly which part of Western Africa we have been brought from. But I think when we look at uh, racism in the Caribbean, we have more what is called colorism. It's the different shades of brown and who is of the lighter color. This is why we have the battle more so than race in question. But when race plays a card, it's actually when we look at, you know, the, the expatriates that come to our country and settle and come with their own devices from which they have been socialized. Um, and as a Caribbean where tourism is our main product, a lot of our people, especially brown and black persons, have been taught to kind of downgrade um, their existence for the existence of others. And so that really has been one of the major rulings in terms of how much disrespect can you take from someone um, who is coming to your country for basically vacation, and yet it is having to kind of reduce who you are, or what you are, how you are for their own existence. So I'm from the United States. I am a descendant of the enslaved as well. And um, when we think about colorism, which is also a problem in the United States, we, um, we think about it in terms of back in the slave days where we had house slaves and field slaves and 
typically house slaves being of lighter hue and being inside the house with the master. And those of us who are darker would be out in the field. And then that created an issue within the black community for those who are feeling that because their skin is lighter, uh, they might be better, more socially accepted. And those who are darker may feel like, well, I'm actually more African than you because my skin is darker than your lighter skin. Um, I have always seen that as tools of, you know, um, of discord to, to provide, to, you know, divide and conquer. If they can divide us, getting us fighting against each other, it makes us more vulnerable. And so I wish we, we, we could get away from that, but it's still a problem. You're saying that and I'm in, I'm cutting in and I'm thinking, my God, you're right. Because if we as a black people really stood steadfast together, we would certainly be a race to, you know, really be afraid of. You know, I think one, our skills, our knowledge, our pursuit for life. Because again, because of our history, thinking about the colonialism, thinking about slavery and what it has done to families and our entire existence. It's one where you actually think and you know that we have been brought up in a system that asks us to fight against each other, to race, to compete. You need to be better. You need to be able to kill the next person for your own existence. And so technically it comes from a point where if we can come to a point where we are not fighting, the strength of unified voices would be so much better. But I think our white folks knew what they were doing when they say allow them to fight because that's the only way they can break down our strength and our strength is major. And when we look at us in the Caribbean, it's kind of difficult to kind of tone down. We are we. We love the carnival. We like the bacchanal. We, like, we have that kind of culture of drumming and getting that devotion. And this is like, the, 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 I think the language of music and um, dance is the thing that actually settles all fights. Because it's the one time people are not trying to outdo everybody is just in together and is just having this so how do we create a life a system that break down the barriers but to think about breaking down the barriers we also have to think about the breakdown of resources and how do we equal that to ensure not equality but equity amongst our people and until we are breaking down those systems that have been built that we have been brought to look at as the foundation of who we are and what we are. We need to not just challenge based on sexuality and gender. We need to actually challenge the entire system of existence because that's the foundation that breeds, you know, the inferiorness, the, the, the disproportion in economic gain because those who have will always have because more opportunities are created for them. Those without are forever fighting to get there. But if we don't have to fight anymore and we can kind of find that balance, oh, I think that is creating an evolution of a new life. Absolutely. 100%. So let me ask you, we, um, uh, when it comes to the queer community, we often talk about traveling to places where um, our brothers and sisters are, don't have equality, where um, homosexuality is criminalized, that kind of thing. 
we debate whether or not we should visit these places. I know that years ago, some friends, straight friends, were going to St. Lucia to celebrate their birthday. And we had to, my husband and I had to decide whether or not we're going to go um, because, you know, the oppression that our people received there. And so we made a decision not to go. So let me ask you, what should the gay community do when it comes to places that criminalizes homosexuality? Should we visit or not? No, I think one of the things we can do, we have a couple of things. One, when we are outside certain communities and we are going in, try to connect to community on the ground. Know if there is a movement, know if there's an organization, know if there's a community leader. That will kind of help us understand the lay of the land, your do's and don'ts. Senusha and most of the Caribbean has been catalyzed for many years, advertised as the most homophobic place in the, the, the world. You know, people like to exaggerate on the point. But can you tell me anything that's happening in Senusha that is not still happening in all the countries that still call us homophobic? The simple difference is we have a burglary law which they may not have. But if you look at the criminal sanctions in terms of not able to adopt, not able to get married, even as a black person existing, that might actually be a higher crime than your sexuality in some countries. If we want to call a ship black, let's call it black, but have the good reason for doing so. So I think that when we are looking at going into communities or going into countries, I love to tell people, connect to community. Do the research. Find out. Do you know anybody there? How, you know, what is the sin? Because in some countries, although there is criminalization, they have such a livelihood in country. People could tell you who to go with. Um, people are into the tourism industry. You have people who own boats, people who own shops. There are ways to support community by going and not by not going. Um, one thing I tell people about visiting in the Caribbean is public display of affection is problematic, but you as an individual isn't. So people, all, we always have to stress that the act of buggery, which is the actual intimate act, is illegal, but to be a homosexual isn't. And so let's not conflate the two, which churches tend to do, and that's what's actually in the wider media instead of the actual truth of what is and isn't. So, support community, because sometimes you're visiting, you may be in an Airbnb owned by an LGBT person who is, that's their way of supporting their life. You may be going to a bar to have a drink that is LGBT owned, even if it may not be public. You know, um, just by coming into country, different things, whether it's the taxi or whatever, these are given back to community members who are also trying to make lives for themselves. So connect to community, get the connections, and uh, support where possible. I know some places it really isn't safe, but in almost every country there is kind of a safe haven. And that safe haven can actually be where you exist to actually understand what that community deals with. So then you can actually be a better activist for them on the outside going forward. Um, Kanita, I think that's incredibly helpful. I think that's good to know because a lot of us didn't know what to do, but I think that's really helpful. You're saying, look, connect with the ground, uh, the, with those on the ground, the boots on the ground situation, organizations, and 
um, see what you can do. Um, but not enough to just go and lay on a beach, but actually meet with people, uh, meet with the community and see how we can be more united together. I love that idea. And that, I think that's going to help a lot of people. So I have one more question for you. What can organizations like Sydney, um, Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras, um, Enterprise, ILGA, what can organizations like these do to uh, promote anti-racism and combat racism? I think when we look at some organizations that are already considered to be global organizations, they need to do the work internally and ensure that the representation within the organization, especially the, the, the boards, are representative of those they're trying to represent. So we can start internally. Um, externally, I think that connect to organizations, raise the visibility of those organizations where it is safe. Um, connect and understand where prides exist and even small highlights. Even if they may not be a member of Interpride, um, I also know there are small pots of funds that comes up whenever so often. Ensure that we are kind of moving the regions, but we are giving different places opportunities to, even if they cannot do a march, they can do a pride event. And if they're already doing organizing with community, it means there is one activity, at least we can say, hey, community, come together, here's some food, here's some bus money, come out, let us just enjoy ourselves. We know it's not always possible, but here's one occasion we can do it. Absolutely. Now, we're here at Sydney World Pride, Sydney World Pride 2023 in Sydney, Australia. What have you seen that's been a source of encouragement at this um, celebration and this human rights conference? I have seen a major, at this Sydney World Pride 2023, I have seen a major focus and encouragement for the indigenous people to have a space and have a voice. I have seen an opportunity for people to interact in the way that they haven't previously, but also knowing how far remote Sydney is. Um, one of the things that I think it allowed was for some genuine conversation around disability and 2SL, the indigenous people. And, and I think that in itself gives power to a changing environment where Let's not just talk about the things that are comfortable. Let's touch the uncomfortable conversations as well. Thank you so much for joining us for this special episode. If you'd like to hear more episodes of the Elephant in the Room series, you can head to interpride.org. Also there, you can find out more information about our ROPE program. This is Interpod, the global voices of Pride podcast powered by Interpride, where the world comes together for the LGBTQIA community. 